0: Hey guys, you're listening to Millennials at the Movies. I'm Amy,
1: And I'm Novi, and today's movie is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. This is part of our series of bonus reviews for the whole Terminator series, so check back every Tuesday in between our bi-weekly episodes to experience the entire Terminator filmography with us. According to Google Movies, In this sequel set 11 years after the Terminator, young John Connor, the key to civilization's history over a future robot uprising, is the target of the shape-shifting T-1000, a Terminator sent from the future to kill him. Another Terminator, the revamped T-800, has been sent back to protect the boy. As John and his mother go on the run with the T-800, the boy forms an unexpected bond with the robot. It's streaming on Showtime, and on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it a 93, and the audience gives it a 94.
0: Wow. That's really, really close. Um, this is the Terminator movie I remember the most. Um, I don't know for sure if I ever saw three before we decided to rewatch everything. I definitely haven't seen the others, but Terminator 2 is, like, the Terminator movie in my memory. So anytime anybody has ever talked about the Terminator movies, I'm like, yeah, that one that I remember quite well.
1: <laughs> well, I think a lot of people feel that way, and if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube and look up the Terminator 2 3D show from Universal Studios. It's closed now, but there are still videos of it.
0: Ooh, that sounds fun. Um, Yeah, this movie... Uh, it was like 10 years later, right? After the first one? About it, 10 years close to It was years. set
1: 11 years later.
0: Okay. Yeah, it I immediately I'm going to have to talk about John Connor because this little shit is the fucking <sighs> this actor first of all probably was so stoked because this kid got to be in a movie where he just cursed up a storm. So that probably was so exciting for him, especially like in the 90s. I don't know my movies that well but I can't imagine too many little like teenage boys were getting to like cuss every five seconds in any movie but um so that was probably fun for him but he does a really good job with this character and the character is just wonderful he is everything John Connor is supposed to be
1: well you don't really know that because he is the first experience of John Connor so. He is the benchmark by which all future John Connors are being written.
0: True, but to be the badass that we hear about, even in the first movie, like knowing what a badass he's supposed to be in the future, this kid definitely is going to grow up to be that man, basically. You know, you can see it in the attitude.
1: Yeah, and he's very capable, even from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not living with Sarah at the beginning but he had been trained by her before so he already knows how to reload a weapon and how to hack into a lot of ATMs and
0: (laughs) yeah I love that we get to see him on his little bike at his like um are they his adopted parents or foster home foster parents foster parents yeah okay so um when he gets on his bike first of all I was like why is this kid on a fucking motorcycle like what the hell but it was so cool too at the same time um and then he and his friend go and rob the atms and then of course like any teenage boy would do go and play arcades with the money that they got
1: (laughs) okay todd and janelle were interesting foster parents i mean Mm -hmm. he was acting out and throwing the you're not my parents thing at them Mm-hmm. And I think Janelle actually cared. And I think Todd was a douchebag.
0: Yeah. I love that she goes into the house and is like, will you get off your butt and do something? And he's like, oh, "Like, what's the problem, basically? And she's like, he won't clean his room. And he's like, oh, well, if it's such an emergency, I guess I'll just get right up. And I'm like, that is kind of true. She is kind of making a big deal out of something. Like, he's being an asshole, Uh, John is so the fact that she goes in there and it's like my problem is that he hasn't cleaned his room in weeks. I'm like, that's your problem. The attitude is okay, but that's your problem. (laughs) But yeah, he's not a good guy. We see more of him later, and he's really, really not a good guy. No, but I enjoy
1: the relationship because it is very realistic that a foster child might not have the best of relationships with the new parents. But he still does care about them. When they're in danger, he wants to save them.
0: Yeah, he does. Um, This movie, by the way, because I'm going to talk a little more about the foster parents and how much John cares about them, but it does such a good job of kind of repeating stuff from the first movie, but not in a way where it's just like, okay, that's cheesy, stop it. Um, But with the like... uh, Uh, mimicking their voices thing that the T-1000 who we haven't talked about yet but the way he does that with the foster parents when John calls home it's just as creepy as when it was done in the first one with Sarah's mom's voice
1: well and it has to be that way because you can't have a new robot that doesn't have as good of abilities as the old robot it doesn't work yeah yeah now, I think what this movie repeated that was very clever was the way it started out with this sequence very similar to the original Terminator starting, mm-hmm. where two beings were sent back. Right. And because Arnold Schwarzenegger played the villain in the last movie, and this is the same model number robot, it... Mm-hmm makes you think automatically that he's going to be the bad guy again. And it's a great misdirect if you've never seen the movie or heard any spoilers about it ever.
0: Yeah, definitely. I also love that he, for some reason, always comes back, walks into some shitty like bar or club or whatever, and as he walks in, he just has these, like... Ooh, like Because he, he's naked, obviously, but then he's got all these women checking him out, and I'm like, that's so great that that happens. That's a... Like, that's a 90s thing that's probably an 80s thing. Again, I don't know my 80s movies that well, but I just feel like it's such uh, almost an overuse, but also not, because it's one of those things, again, that's calling back to the first movie.
1: It is. And it was great the way he just took the person's motorcycle. And yep. <laughs> he had no shits to give.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, he was... I want to say he was more of a badass than in the first one.
1: He was, but it was also funnier.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, because you have a kid mixed in now, too, which I think helps. <laughs> it it kind of, like, lightened everything, that there was a main character that was a child, um, which... I was glad for because after the first one almost scared the shit out of me in my rewatch, um, it was nice to kind of have a break from, I mean, it was, it still had some creepy shit in it, which we'll get to, but um, it was a little, a little easier to watch.
1: Well, yeah, but I also like that it never became a comedy movie. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of humor added, but it was still very, pretty much a death movie. And yeah. then things will explode and bad things happen to good people movie.
0: Yeah. They didn't make it a children's movie, which is good.
1: Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um T1000, I'm going to have to talk about this guy. Uh, I don't know, I never know actor names, but I don't know his name either.
1: Robert Patrick.
0: Robert Patrick. Thank you. Robert Patrick does such a good job being the creepiest looking motherfucker ever. I remember myself as a kid being terrified of him because when he runs, his face is so creepy. Nobody can keep their face that, like, relaxed when they're running, and yet this motherfucker somehow can. And it still creeps me out.
1: You've heard of the Uncanny Valley, right? No. Okay, for those of you, like you, who haven't, (laughs) it's the theory that a robot is creepier when it almost looks human, mm-hmm. but then there's a slight bit off. Things like the people's faces in the video game Until Dawn or the CGI in the Polar Express movie, mm-hmm. okay. where it's almost there, but then they make an expression that's so off that it just makes you feel more unsettled because you know they're not human. Yeah. Robert Patrick is a human man who took me to the uncanny valley. (laughs) His expression being so blank and so cold and the slightly off way that he ran with his arms.
0: Yeah, it was so weird.
1: It was incredible. And I think it made Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance in the original Terminator look considerably worse because it could have been this good.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Cause yeah, this is like, this is what nightmares are made of basically that I'm surprised that as a kid, I didn't actually have nightmares when I had seen this movie, but I do remember it. It is still in my memory and that like creepy vibe that I had was because I was so scared of it as a kid. So yeah, it, there are parts of this movie that I was just like, oh my gosh, I remember all of these details. The running was one of them. And also with the same um robot, the melting and then the, like, the liquid form of it coming back together to rebuild itself. Those are scenes every single time that I remember in such detail.
1: Yeah, that was surprisingly good effect for Mm -hmm. that time period Mm -hmm. but i think what was so great about the t-1000 is he almost had the ability to be personable when he had to because Mm -hmm. when he was looking for john and he went to todd and janelle's house he was almost nice to them in a way yeah and in the original the terminator would have just gone in there and said john connor and like threw (laughs) a picture at them or forced himself into their house. he was polite to them and calm and kind and nobody really saw him as threatening until he started to hurt people.
0: Yeah. And I,
1: that is so much more threatening and scary.
0: It is. I had a moment though with that scene where he's like the cop that showed up at their door. First of all, they were like, oh yeah some guy in a leather jacket also came here asking about him Is this some? does this have something to do with that? And I'm like, you just gave information to some random dude like at least this guy's a cop you know so I get that especially with a kid who gets into trouble a lot I get that you would probably like give him information but some random guy in a leather jacket came and asked about your like kid basically and (laughs) you're just fine with that but also It was really creepy to me, and it's probably a time period thing. In the 90s, it probably would not have been weird. But when he looks at the picture of John, um, he says, oh, a handsome kid or, like, good-looking kid or something like that. And then he goes, can I keep this picture? And I'm like, no, mm -mm, no, uh -uh, that's weird. No. Even if you guys can't tell that this is some fucking futuristic robot who's here to kill your son, um, that was creepy to me.
1: (laughs) It was a little odd yeah
0: yeah now
1: yeah I love that John's friend is such a bro yes. when they're at the arcade and the T-1000 gets there looking for him and is showing his picture he's like nope never seen that guy in my life and then he <laughs> immediately runs him and is like get out the cops are looking for you like that is your ride or die bro
0: yep I wish he, he came back in the movie. I don't know for what reason. I know there was not, like no use for him past that. And it would have probably just been really weird and out of place for him to show up again. But I wanted him to because he was like we see him very little and yet he was great.
1: Yeah, he probably fucking dies.
0: No. No, the, he did. He just gets like thrown across the arcade, and he can hear him yelling, "Hey, or like, what's your problem, or some shit like that." So he was fine. He's fine. Nothing happens to him. Let me have it, please. Day. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's probably dead. Um, the um. I was going to say that those melting and getting back together scenes were my favorite ones because they've stuck with me for so long. And they might be, but um, we need to talk about Sarah and what a badass she is in this movie and how much I love her in it.
1: Oh, she is the baddest bitch in all the land.
0: Yeah, Um, she like the fact that in the end of the first movie, she was already pretty much a badass. But then, and this is going into the review of the first one, but, like, the whole voiceover of, like, we were in love, blah, 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 shit, kind of ruined her a little bit for me. So, this second movie really, really, really made Sarah Connor, like, the iconic badass bitch that she is known to be, basically. Um, Yeah. I
1: think halfway, and then the other half we'll talk about. (laughs) But... It means so much more that she is this badass coming from the context of T1, because then she was, like, a waitress with a lizard, and it's been 11 years, and now she's a militant renegade terrorist who tried to blow up a robotics factory. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
0: Yeah. Oh, um, before we talk any further about what a badass she is, though, that fucking doctor man, the, uh or whatever the fuck he is the one that locks her in the room and then licks her face I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here but I'm I, I hated him with so much passion it was yeah. such a disturbing scene to watch and I'm so glad that they didn't take it a step further because they easily could have and I'm so glad that all that he did was lick her face I mean that's already gross but it really could have gotten worse and I'm Really thankful to the creators for not doing that.
1: Oh yeah, serious Kill Bill vibes.
0: Mm, haven't seen. My Kill name Bill. is
1: Buck, and I like to. Oh wow! <laughs>
0: um, go on nice romantic long walks on the beach.
1: Yeah, Thanks. that rhymes with Buck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now I hated the order
1: leave, but I loved Doctor Silverman. I love that it was the same doctor from the first one. Mm -hmm. And I love that sometimes it's hard to tell if he's a good psychologist or just a dick. (laughs) Can't he be both, though? That's true, he could. (laughs) Like, him conducting tours through the facility, like the people are animals, is a dick move. But he Mm -hmm. actually seems to be good at his job. Mm
0: -hmm. And when
1: Sarah tries to play him, he knows it and he calls her on it. And, and on one hand, you're just like, oh, but she just wants to see her kid. He was being a dick. And on the other hand, it's like, no, she was actually trying to play him. She still believes in the robots.
0: <laughs> yeah. I in that scene, though, I had a moment where I was like, well, that wasn't very smart. Damn it. Because she like I think they said it's been like six months or something um, that she was basically putting on this act to make it seem like she's better and that she doesn't believe in the robots and whatnot. Uh, And then in a matter of seconds, she just completely loses all of her fucking control. And it's like, it's like, okay, well, maybe if you had just tried for another month or so, maybe all of that work you put in wouldn't have gone to waste. And maybe he would have actually started to believe you. But now there's no fucking chance. You're fucked. It's over.
1: (laughs) Pretty much.
0: Yeah. You know, when you attack your doctor, there's not really second chances with that.
1: Well, actually, there were, because they said that she stabbed him in the knee. Oh, that's right. (laughs) And he was still her doctor.
0: He was still her doctor, and she was still not, like, cuffed or anything. And she stood there, and they let her have the cigarette. I love how much cigarette smoking there is in these first two movies. It's just wonderful. Everyone's just lining up cigarettes in every building. Just no big deal. Even... Sarah, when she's supposed to be the patient here, and clearly the doctor doesn't believe her shit. And yet it's just like, yeah, no, you don't, it's fine. You don't need to be cuffed or anything like that. Here's a cigarette. Why don't you unwind?
1: (laughs) I think he is so interested because it was the same thing in the first one where he was so enamored with Kyle's story about the robots. Mm. And it was just like, I want to know everything. there is to know about how delusional you are to where she could have choked him with his own necktie until he passed out and he'd still be there the next day like hey Sarah (laughs) tell me some more about your robot fantasy
0: yeah he's not well I don't think he's something's wrong with him
1: (laughs) but I love him
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I wasn't I had a moment where I was like wait didn't he die Because I thought he was at the police station when the police station got shot up in the first movie. I think he was, but I don't think he died. Well, clearly not, because he's back now, but... um,
1: Unless he was a very very special Terminator that's entire job was to not do anything.
0: (laughs) Pointless Terminator. (laughs) Oh, maybe, maybe, and this goes for everybody else out there like me who hasn't seen all the rest of the movies yet, maybe... Dr. Silverman is going to be like the Terminator, the baddest of bad guys who comes back in the sixth movie and just fucking kills everybody. And you just, you don't see it coming.
1: Oh, you'd never see it coming.
0: Yeah. It would be an awesome twist if they didn't do that, which I'm guessing they probably didn't. They probably should make a seventh movie. Call me. (laughs) (laughs) They're probably already working on the seventh one. What am I saying? Um, But yeah, that scene, by the way, where, um, well, I mean, okay, there's all of the badassery with Sarah stealing the paperclip and basically breaking her her way, or herself out, or whatever. I don't know how to word that. (laughs) Basically saving herself. Um, All of that is badass. But I think the scene that stands out to me the most, having to do with her trying to escape, is when um, the Terminator shows up with john and her fear is so strong like i i think i got goosebumps watching that scene because she does such like such a great job with it because she just is suddenly goes from like this badass i've got it all figured out i'm gonna get the fuck out of here and get my son and blah, blah blah all of that and then just seeing him breaks her
1: yeah, After and, 11 years, she completely regresses all the way back.
0: Yeah, it's such a powerful scene and that will stay with me forever. I didn't remember it, watching it now. Um, but, you know, again, I was a kid when I watched it originally, so obviously I wouldn't remember it. But it is such a powerful scene and she, the actress does such a good job with it.
1: Well, I think her escape from the mental institution is overall one of the best pieces of standalone cinema. You could cut that from the movie, just play that, and the stakes would feel just as high as they do with it in the movie. Yeah. She sells being completely deranged so well. And earlier in the movie, they explore her dynamic with the rest of the staff Mm. just enough to where you know exactly how she's going to react with all of these people and
0: it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um there was a thing though in that escape scene. Um I don't know if you noticed it, but when when uh Arnold the Terminator is following them into the elevator, he does such a weird run. If you haven't if you didn't notice it and for anybody else out there who didn't. He's got like a gun, maybe he has two guns. I don't remember what he has in his hands, but he has his arms like Up with the guns in his hand and he's running towards the elevator and it's the strangest i think it's because there wasn't a lot of distance between himself and the elevator so there wasn't really a run to do but he had to and it is the weirdest like i hate to call it this because you know women power and all that kind of stuff but like it is the girliest run ever especially to (laughs) see from arnold schwarzenegger it was so hilarious you should, you should go watch it. <laughs>
1: I don't know if Schwarzenegger can run. He might just have so many muscles. That his That's body true. doesn't do that. Because I'm remembering him. Running in Jingle all the way. And it's weird.
0: Mm. Then it's just his run I guess. So you don't have to go watch this scene again. It, you've seen it already.
1: <laughs> now I just love the way. The T-1000 prize the elevator doors open. Mm. I think the appendages on it have a really interesting way of being used. Mm -hmm. Although I do think the rules of what it can do are somewhat inconsistent. Hmm. Because they say it can turn into items that are similar in size to it. Right? Right. That's what they said. Yeah. But then it turns into the floor.
0: Oh, that's right. That was a creepy scene, by the way. Like, that was... So fucking weird as I was like, what? No, whoa, what? <laughs>
1: yeah, it was very weird, but I think it almost makes up for the inconsistency because those scenes are so good. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, I don't care what your world building is and what his powers are, they can be whatever you need them to be <laughs> for you to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because there was a lot, and this is in the 90s, and they do some shit in this movie that. I don't think any recent movies have done as far as like special effects go. We have so much more capability today, but it looks so much cooler in this movie than anything I've seen of recent times. It did. Yeah.
1: And I think it's even important when you're going to have a same model of robot in a movie like the T-101, Uncle
0: Bob. (laughs) Uncle Bobby. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You have to
1: add something to the lore of that machine. It can't just only do the things that you know it can do, but it also can't become grossly overpowered from what it was before either. Yeah. So I added a little bit just enough to the lore because they told us it had a complex processor capable of learning and assimilating to other languages, other ways of speaking. And yeah. I think that was just enough to add to make it better than it was in the previous movie without making it overpowered and i also loved that it was fighting a more complex machine obviously the t800 is not as complex as the t1000 yeah it was capable of things that uncle bob could not do and it made it a way better matchup because the stakes felt higher
0: yeah yeah i agree well it's that whole thing of like they rebuilt a and so it had to be more capable, it had to have more power, basically, than the original or the previous model. And they did, I like that it wasn't completely, like, from this one model to a model that, there, like, there should have been steps in between for, you know? Like, it wasn't such a huge difference, it wasn't so much more powerful, it was more powerful, but it wasn't, like, the complete, like, unexpected I can do anything. I can be anything. Kind of a robot cuz that would have been a bit much. It it basically it was like it's more powerful, but there's still a chance cuz if there wasn't still a chance, I'd be sitting there the whole time going, "Okay, so everyone's going to die, right? We're all going to die, the world's going to be over and the robots are going to win, right?" In this movie, that's that's how that's going to go. But he was he was ca- capable of being terminated. <laughs>
1: Well, technically, they're all capable of being terminated. It's just, can you do it? Oh, <laughs> Well, I can I can't. mean, Janelle <laughs> and Todd were capable of being terminated. Uh, that was harsh because, yeah. not only because of the way he was just like, your parents are dead. Yeah. But I don't understand the T-1000 in quite a few scenes in this movie, but particularly that one. Because we're told that this is a robot. It doesn't have emotions. It doesn't have feelings. It doesn't have desires outside of its programming to terminate. Correct? Right. Yes. Um, why, instead of killing Todd, did it make itself Todd's wife and make Todd dinner? <laughs> like, it could have killed that dude hours ago. Instead of just being like, oh, I guess I'm going to make him beast you now. <laughs> da, da, da. So True. this robot in multiple times in the movie seemed like it was playing with his food. And we weren't to p- led to believe that yeah. the robots could do that.
0: Well, I also like that he kills Todd. Like, out. it seems anyway, like it's out of annoyance. Like, okay, you're bothering me now. Shut up. You know, like, it doesn't feel like it's because you're going to blow my cover or anything like that. It seems like he does it because, like, you're just annoying now. Well,
1: yes, but why go through all of that to begin with? Why not just kill Todd when you killed Janelle? Yeah. You were going to be there to answer the phone either way. Was it just like, this is my chance. I'm going to kill John later, but right now I feel like a woman. (laughs)
0: I've always wanted to be a housewife. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I do love, though, that the way that um, Uncle Bob, so that I'm not saying the Terminator for all of them, I'll follow suit here. Uncle Bob finds out that it's not his mom because he uh, asks for the dog's name. I can't remember what the dog's name is or what the fake dog name he says is. But I love that that is the trick because it's so simple, you know, but it's also so brilliant.
1: Yeah, apparently the magic dog is barking from across the street because there might be a (laughs) robot in there. It's like what do the dogs do when there's a roomba?
0: Oh there were no roombas. It's the nineties. And the eighties.
1: That's a good point.
0: (laughs) We'll see in the future (laughs)
1: ones. Yeah, maybe in the 2019 Terminator, they're all killed <laughs> by
0: possessed Roombas. Fuck, I have one of those. Not a Roomba, but one of those types of things. I better get rid of it before it attacks. Um, yeah, the dog thing, for me anyway, was at least so far in these two movies, I, like, we don't see dogs die. And I'm really grateful for that.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't just kill the dogs if the dogs yeah. are such an... Obvious thing because you would assume if there are any dogs left in the future the robots would know that these bitches are tattletales
0: (laughs) yeah yeah they should have killed them but i'm so glad they didn't maybe they were like creating this movie and it's like no they would obviously kill the dogs the dogs are gonna bark and blow their cover they would kill them yeah no we're not gonna do that i love dogs they can't die nobody killed dogs in the 90s uh good. Nobody kill dogs ever. Let them live.
1: <laughs> now, I think the special effects in this movie were not incredible by today's standards, definitely, but still really great for the era. And I think my favorite was when Uncle Bob was shooting the T one thousand with his shotgun and the rippled metal effect on his chest looked like skipping stones.
0: Oh yeah. I think every time there was any sort of damage to the T-1000 was my favorite thing of this movie. Yeah, it was time.
1: almost mm. graceful the way the metal moved.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, like I think this is the like the movie for me for like action films for as far as the coolest things that have happened in any action film.
1: Well. Sarah's daydream about oh, that was what crazy. was going to happen on Judgment Day and the yeah. way it called back to the opening of the movie with the burning playground mm. and the way it called back to what she said in the mental hospital about Judgment Day, which is my favorite quote in the movie. Ooh, The children look like burnt paper, black, not moving, and then the blast wave hits them and they fly apart like leaves.
0: Ooh, That's poetic as fuck.
1: <laughs>
0: it is. I didn't even remember that.
1: It's Wait. very evocative, and I don't even like poets.
0: Um. Yeah, that scene uh was just so creepy, even before you see what happens to the people with the, like, swing and everything like that already. It was just... And then, like, her yelling and shaking the fence, and but you can't hear her. It was just an overall really, really scary scene to watch. And... I, it was one of those moments for me where like I it kind of like hit me just how fucked up everything has been for this poor woman, you know, which is weird to say because I watched the first movie, so that should have been enough. But like it just made me feel for her even more. They did a really good job of getting us to like be on her side, even though I know you said there was something. <laughs> that we we're going to come back to as far as her badassery, but like with everything she's been through and knowing like she had this kid basically to save the world and that that's what his life is going to be, that's a lot for one person.
1: Well, and especially at this point because she was led to believe by Kyle that it was her teaching that helped him get there. Mm. So she has to think that if she doesn't teach him the right things or enough things, that she is going to doom the entire world. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure for one person.
0: Yeah, one person who especially not too, too long ago was just a fucking waitress. Like, and that's not to be offensive to waitresses. I just mean, you know, waitresses aren't fit to, like, save the world.
1: (laughs) I mean, not all of them.
0: Yeah, that's true. Some of them, maybe. I think I have to go meet one of those waitresses now. And, you know, just in case, keep them on my side. Although, from what we see, that doesn't end well for the friends. Um, Never.
1: (laughs) Now, Um, mm -hmm. John is a little jerk in this movie. He really is. And it's never as apparent as it is when Uncle Bob and he are having an argument and these two guys come over and try to help him because they think he's being abducted and then he orders Uncle Bob to hurt them for no reason (laughs) these movies have a big tradition of Mm -hmm. making it the lesson that you should never help anyone ever
0: (laughs) yeah just let the kid get abducted or whatever the fuck is happening mind your own business walk away (laughs) Not yeah, anything. don't
1: get out of your car if someone gets hit by a car. Just keep going. <laughs> They're probably a robot from the future.
0: <laughs> They'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I do love though the relationship between John and the chur ter- uh, well, Uncle Bob. Um, it's it almost makes somehow it makes Uncle Bob simultaneously more of a robot and also more Human-like, and I don't know how to explain that any better than just that. But like he, John, he like makes him stand on one foot or whatever when he realizes that he has complete control over him because he's a little shit. So of course he's gonna do everything he can. Uh, but then he's like teaching him all these things that he should say so that he blends in, and it's just it's kind of adorable to see them and their relationship together.
1: Well, and really, John just wants to be loved, and he's not getting that from his mother. So he's looking to the robot to be a parent figure for him, because the robot has to talk to him, because his future self programmed it to like him.
0: (laughs) Aw, that's so heartbreaking!
1: Yeah, it cuts so deep that he's just, like, befriending Uncle Bob because his father is dead and his mom won't talk to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, I was saying it's a lot for Sarah, but geez, this kid, he's like, what, 13, 14, something like that? and uh, 11 years after the first movie. Oh, wow, <laughs> even younger. You <I>, <laughs> know how
1: pregnancy time?
0: Is. Yeah. Oh, I know how pregnancy works, but I apparently don't have any fucking clue how time works. I'm not going to go on another rant, I'm just saying, time travel is weird. <laughs> But yeah, um, he is a baby child, and he shouldn't have the entire weight of the entire world on his shoulders, and yet he does. And you know what? I know that Sarah's been through some shit, but the one thing that I really dislike is that she handles this shit way worse than John does. She does. And
1: at least Sarah got probably 20 years to herself. Mm. She got to be alive and experience life until the day the Terminator arrived. We don't know exactly how old she was, but I'd say about 20 in the first movie. Mm. John got nothing. He was always the Jesus baby. Yeah. So he never was a child until she got locked up. And even then, it was a very short amount of time and he was already damaged. Yeah. It had and, to be that way, but it's still sad.
0: Yeah, like even when we see him with his friend and he's talking about it, how he learned all this shit from his mom. And he was like, the friend's like, oh, he's she was pretty, she's pretty cool, huh? And he's like, no, she's a psychopath or whatever. Well, not a psychopath, but she's crazy or whatever. And uh, you can see that he doesn't actually hate her. He just really wants to hate her because, like, she was never here. She was never a mom to him.
1: But he still refused to leave her to die. He ordered the machine to go save her, and she didn't even want to see him. Yeah. And I'm sure that was to protect him, but it still hurts.
0: Yeah. And he is such a strong kid through all of it, because, like... He gets that this is what it has to be and this is what's going to happen. And it's like, yeah, okay, fine. I'm going to fight and I'm going to be a badass. But at the same time, I am a child and you are my mother and you just fucking hurt my feelings. (laughs) Like, and I love, by the way, the uh, reaction by Uncle Bob when he is crying, when John is crying. (laughs) What's wrong with your eyes?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You would figure for a robot that is programmed to know things about humans. Hmm. That would be something that it understands at least functionality of, but I guess
0: not. Uh, no, <laughs> maybe nobody in the future cries. Who knows?
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure it's like a really happy company, <laughs> or they're just so dehydrated all the time. <laughs> oh, that's
0: now a thing to think about. Uh-huh. I
1: like, I like the way that the dynamic with Uncle Bob and John is. Mm. I wish that he hadn't told him not to kill people because it kind of takes some of the teeth out of the franchise. Yeah, the first movie had like yeah. Kyle Reese. If you were in his way and it was going to be a problem in him protecting Sarah Connor, he would shoot you in the fucking face. Yep. But the Terminator, our Uncle Bob, <sighs> not killing anyone feels off. Although it is great that he shot a guy in both legs and just like he'll live.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say not only did it have the like funny factor in certain scenes, but also it was kind of heartwarming because again, here is this robot with no feelings, and yet and I know it was because like he was ordered not to kill anybody, so he has to follow the order and it's not about feelings, but because we're humans and because John is a human, you kind of like feel I don't know, you feel more for their, like, bond, I guess, even though I'm just making it up in my head because Uncle Bob doesn't have feelings. (laughs) But it was cute that he, like, on his little, like, thingy when he's looking, I don't know what that's called, the, like, thing that shows up because he's a robot and there's all these words in front of his eyes that has a word. Yes, that, the digital display, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was just testing you. Um, (laughs) But yes, I love that. Like, he checks it. Like, he's very specific about, okay, yes, zero deaths. <laughs> it's well, right,
1: And I think that's what makes John the prophet and not Sarah. Because John, even as a child, understands that there are some lines that you don't cross. And one of those lines is killing humans to get your goal. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sarah is so far gone that she will kill anyone. She's become a terminator, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And you don't see that any more than in the scene with Miles Dyson, who has wow. not done anything wrong so far as he knows. And watching her have a gun on him and his baby and his wife and the way all of them play it, yeah. The man who plays Miles Dyson is. He looks terrified. He's trembling. He's yeah. shaking. And he's crying so hard. And it was so... It hit so right.
0: Um, yeah, I agree with that. And also, I'm going to say the kids in this movie are so much more badass than the adults in this movie. Because his little baby boy, who was like five maybe... Runs to him and uses himself as a shield against Sarah, who is pointing a gun at his father. He throws his own body in front of his father and like protects him. That is the bravest thing. I mean, also kind of the dumbest thing, but you know, it's his dad. So obviously he was going to do that. And th- I—that was the moment for me in the entire movie where I teared up, and I was like, "No, please don't hurt the little baby boy because he is adorable, and he is protecting his dad, and he is all of like five fucking years old. Holy shit, that well, was huge.
1: This is this is how supervillains are made. This is how Skynut is made, because it's always somebody killed my father, and now I have to like raise up the mantle." Mm-hmm. You kill the father and you leave that kid alive, he's gonna say, you know what, we really need a digital defense system to stop fucking terrorists from breaking <laughs> your house and killing your dad. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, I hated like I even if she had gone two just miles and like broken into the house, shot him in his office or whatever, and left, it still would have been shitty because like you said, she she's doesn't have that like understanding i guess of the value of human life like john does um but she is shooting up the entire house not only does she not give a shit if this man dies or does well not even that she doesn't give a shit she wants him to die she doesn't give a shit if she kills his innocent wife and son
1: well in her mind Mm. it is an acceptable loss it's like the theory of in a war you'll send a tactical team in knowing they'll lose, but you might win the actual war. She's thinking if I murder this man, then I save the lives of every person on earth. Yeah. Which is a thought, but it is also the thought of a Terminator, not Mm -hmm. of a leader of anything.
0: Yeah. She's also a really bad shot, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Like she shoots up that entire house and not one of them gets shot. I mean, Thankfully. Well, he does. He does. Yeah. But, but she's like five feet away from him when he finally gets shot. Right. Or something like that. When she's outside of the house, she's just shooting up the room that he's in and that the kid comes into and neither of them get shot during that.
1: Well, she's having a mental breakdown, (laughs) but I think he's actually my favorite character in this movie because his motivations were entirely reasonable He was Mm -hmm. advancing his work as a scientist Mm -hmm. and then some crazy woman who had tried to blow up his job years before and gotten locked up in an institution Mm -hmm. comes to his house and tries to murder him and his child and his wife. And of course he doesn't believe the crazy story from the nutcases who came to his house (laughs) trying to murder him. Yeah. But then when they prove it's real even if it means giving up of his entire life's work, he is all in with them to stop it, even though they just shot him,
0: yeah, yeah, he's uh, uh one of my favorite scenes in this movie, too, was when he has the thing for the the bomb, and the like cops come in, and he's like, "I don't know how much longer I can hold this," and like in his dying breath, he is still trying to save as many people as he possibly can, and he I thought that is. was really powerful, especially. Because of what had happened with Sarah when she tried to kill them all. <laughs> yeah.
1: And he eventually does give his life to stop what his company started mm-hmm. because they found that arm from mm-hmm. the first Terminator, from the first Terminator movie, and they were using the technology they had found in that arm mm-hmm. to essentially create the Terminator quicker.
0: Yeah. Which
1: is, I mean, the opposite of what Kyle Reese was going for <laughs> <laughs> poor
0: guy <laughs> <sighs>
1: yeah. but the, this is the moment that I think Sarah goes off the rails for me as far as being likable mm-hmm. because she has this like a bitchy speech uh, how men like Dyson yes! create death and destruction because they can't have, have
0: children yep That was so out of nowhere, too, for her. I was like, the fuck is this shit? Did they just bring in some woman and we're like, hey, what would she say here? Give us a line. We need a fucking line. And she was like, I have babies and it hurts, okay? So, (laughs) like, it was so weird to me.
1: And it's also weirdly hypocritical because Mm. it's like, don't pretend you knew shit about shit before you were proven that there was this. Yeah. Like you didn't believe it for like all of the first movie <laughs> until you literally saw the robot murder an entire room of cops then you believed it. It took less for this guy to believe it than it did for you. And do you know who, how many people you got killed an entire room full of cops, Sarah? <laughs> yeah. Like put your pussy power away. You don't get the high ground on this.
0: It, this it just wasn't the time for it. It wasn't a matter of like women are more caring and capable and like we create beauty while you guys create destruction. That's not what this shit was. First of all, second of all, you can't sit here and talk about how you created a life. You created life so that this child wouldn't get to be a child. The whole purpose was for it to it, for him to go on and like fight the machines in the end. So it's still about destruction in some way. Well, a better speech
1: for that time would have been something along the lines of Ian Malcolm's speech in the Jurassic Park book. The You know, you didn't understand what you had. You stood on the shoulders of giants. You took it. You bastardized it. But still, it wasn't the right time for any kind of speech. Yeah. Because they were sitting there, all of them, calmly. And he was saying I didn't know I'm so sorry I'll do whatever I can yeah it was not the time to yell at him he was already in your pocket <laughs> he was there with you and everyone else knew that but she couldn't let it be because she had to have her big look at my biceps I'm stronger than you speak. <laughs> and it's like this man gave your kid juice after you shot him
0: I love that by the way <laughs> because it does The fact, a couple of things. First of all, that he goes and he takes the little boy and is like, "Hey, why don't you show me your room?" Blah blah blah. Because like, it really they showed who John was with so few lines and so few like emotions. They didn't have to go big about it for us to know who he was just the fact that he is just comfortably and calmly walking around the kitchen with a glass full of juice with his backpack on like la-di-da-di-da I mean not to say that he's happy in the situation but just you know calm this is pretty normal I'm used to this kind of shit tells us the kind of fucked up life this kid has lived without them having to tell us this is the kind of fucked up life he's had to live but and I
1: do love that he took Danny to his room so that he didn't have to be any more traumatized that night than he already was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because that child did not need to see a robot cut off its own arm.
0: Nope, really not. Nobody needed to see that.
1: <laughs> Hell, that child is probably already a supervillain because yeah. Daddy left and didn't come home after a crazy uh, lady yeah. shot him.
0: yeah. Ooh, see, now I want in the future Terminator movies for him to be on the side of the robots trying to attack and kill John and Sarah Connor. Hmm. And Uncle Bob. Well, we'll (laughs) just have
1: to see if he makes an appearance in any future Terminator movies. Oh,
0: something to look forward to. (laughs) But yeah, I think um, Miles was given so much like, full character, like, he wasn't just this 2D character that meant nothing, you know? They really made you care about him and understand him in such, like, such a simple way, where it just took the one scene of them having that conversation for everybody, excluding Sarah, to understand that this man wasn't trying to be an asshole. He wasn't trying to hurt anybody. He was just kind of doing his fucking job, you know? Um. Well- and, and that he had a good heart in the end.
1: Reasonably, if you find robot tech, you're not thinking oh, this is going to murder us. You're thinking, oh, I could probably sell that to McDonald's to start yeah. fries prize and <laughs> exactly. make a million dollars. Or sell that to a prosthetic arm company. Or sell it to the military even. But you're not thinking that it's going to create a Skynet. Yeah. And the second he found out with any evidence that it would, he was just like, okay, I'm down. My entire life's work is garbage now because murder is bad. So (laughs) how do we stop it? Yeah.
0: And uh, I really was on his
1: side.
0: Yeah. I feel so
1: bad for his family.
0: I do too. And his death was one of the most heartbreaking in any movie. I think it was like, it was one of those like, no, but, Can he just survive somehow? I mean, I know he can't because he just blew up the room. He was dying. He was dead anyway before that happened. But if there was any chance of him surviving it, that would have been completely blown apart, too, along with the room that he was in. But I just wanted to not die.
1: (laughs) I think that's the difficult thing about the Terminator films because we've watched two of them so far. Mm -hmm. And so far, I cannot think of one person that has died that I thought, well, you deserve that. I mean, even Todd was kind of a dick, but that doesn't mean he deserved to die. Yeah, no. I mean, the only person I can think of that deserved to die was Face Licky, and he's fine.
0: (laughs) Face Licky. I want that to be his official name.
1: That's the best he's getting from me.
0: (laughs) He doesn't even get that from me. Creepy douchebag. That does it. Um, You know what's funny to me, by the way, about this movie? What? I don't think there was too much of, like, the dialogue and them just sitting around talking things out or whatever. However, those scenes definitely stand out for me more than the big, like, action fight scenes do. Aside from the um, T-1000 melting and reforming thing, um, I have a hard time, like, really seeing and, like, thinking about the action scenes and the fight scenes and that kind of stuff. Now, there is a fight scene between the them the two of them, right? <laughs> so and I and I can't remember it very well. Of the two Terminators. Yeah.
1: Well yes, there is. And in typical Terminator fashion, the good guy seems to lose and the bad guy advances on our heroes and then the good guy gets, you know, reanimated and is fine. Yeah. yeah. But what I find interesting about that last fight scene is it's even more of the cat and mouse game with the T-1000 that I was talking about earlier. Mm. It plays with them. Mm. It We know it can imitate voices. And at okay. one point, it even does appear as Sarah calling out to John to help her. Mm. Which she would never. Ever do.
0: Yeah. But
1: he wants her to so bad that, of course, he goes for it. But before that, he captures Sarah and tells her, call to John, even though he can do that for her. Yeah. Because he wants her to do it. And there's no logical reason for his mission for that. So there has to be something malicious within this robot, which is creepy because malice is a feeling.
0: Yeah, I don't want to think about this crazy robot that can kill everything in its way, also having emotions. That makes it way scarier. (laughs) But there's also a scene
1: where Sarah empties an entire gun clip into it right Mm -hmm. after that. And it refills all of the holes, like it does, smirks at her, and then does like a "Mm -hmm," hand, like finger (laughs) waggle motion like what are you doing you don't have feelings that is some super villain shit that is a joker move and the joker is amused (sighs) yeah what is this robot
0: yeah i didn't get why um it didn't kill sarah right away like you could there have just no gone shots. after John. Yeah, like, you could have gone after John. You, it would have taken you five seconds, not even that, to kill her and then just go find him. <laughs> you know, like... It, then she couldn't have protected him.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, so it won't... Oh, wow, That. Well, I hadn't thought of that until now, so I know what kinds of nightmares I'm having tonight. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah, he's playing with them, and that is creepy as hell. You're right.
1: Because there's no logical reason why it would have done that. It it gave no benefit to its mission to terminate. So there has to be something in that robot that was having fun. Wow.
0: Creepy. Huh. And, and then there are future robots. I mean, obviously they're all future robots, but I mean in the next Terminator. So I don't even want to know how much creepier they could get.
1: Well, I look forward to finding out. Uh, um, I don't know if any of it is as creepy as Sarah's big speech about how maybe this particular uh, Uncle Bob Terminator should uh, be her son's new father because uh, at least yes. he won't beat her
0: (laughs) or like beat him or drink it's like oh god oh it was it was the moment in which i turned to my boyfriend and said oh shit she's trying to get her some again isn't she this time from a fucking robot like it was such a weird moment i was like are you horny for uncle bob what's happening right now i
1: don't think that was for her i think it was well i can abandon him so that he is safer. Yeah. But he'll be protected by this. And I I think that hit me the same way the speech last time of how we loved a lifetime hit me, where it's just like, <laughs> no, I don't like this. Yeah. It but
0: was like it, it was her weird attempt to be human after everything that had happened because she was losing the human part of her. I think little by little, every time we see her again, she's just a little less uh, emotionally capable. So it's like she's trying to emotion without knowing how to.
1: I think I generally like Sarah better in action than I do when she is voiceovering. Voiceover Sarah is cheesy and not likable.
0: Okay, the voiceover thing in general, please stop doing that in movies. I hope they have. I hope they never do it again. It's never good. Or it's usually not good, I'll say. I'm sure there's some movie out there that's good with it. But, like, this, it didn't work in this one. It didn't work when it happened in Terminator 1. I don't think it would work in any of the other Terminator movies. It's just, it's so... Stupid and pointless. Like, we don't need you to constantly be telling us what you think and recapping shit and all of that. Like, just stop.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're already watching the movie. We get it.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you
1: can't show us, we don't need to know.
0: Yeah. I will agree with you, though. The action, Sarah, was so badass. There was that moment where she comes out all dressed in black after she sees she has that like weird nightmare thing. Um, She's, like, dressed all in black with the vest and the gun and everything like that. And she gets in her car and takes off. I mean, her mission is awful, but still, she's a badass. And I looked at that, and I was like, this is what every female action, um, like, hero or or villain should look like. Rather than the tight, skimpy, tiny little shorts and the boobs sticking out everywhere, this is what a badass woman should look like. She was still, like... (sighs) Like, she was still the person that you're going to, like, put a poster up of, I'm assuming, in the 90s, because she's such a fucking badass. She doesn't need to be naked to do it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I I think I said that for the first movie, too, maybe. And if I didn't, I should have. I really love that she was the, like, the it girl of these movies, like, the main woman. And that she wasn't meant to be sexual, really, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, and I have no problem with a sexualized female action hero, as long as she's still an action hero and not just, like, boobs with a gun.
0: Yeah. Well, to be fair, um, I was thinking, oh, was what's the Angelina Jolie uh, Tomb, Tomb Raider? Tomb Raider. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I've never played the game. I've never watched the movie. Um, but that's what I was thinking of. It's like, okay, well, you know, if I were going to be a badass woman who was going to go off and fight, I would wear more sensible clothing to protect myself. <laughs> but maybe that's what makes me less of a badass. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, counterpoint,
1: though, tombs are probably really sweaty. I need
0: yeah. to breathe. <laughs> breathe with your mouth and your nose, leave your tits covered up so you don't tear them apart. (laughs) No, I, again, I haven't seen the movie. Maybe she is a badass. I don't know. She probably is. But my point is that like when I saw Sarah Connor dressed in all black, ready to fucking kill somebody, I was like, yep, there you go. (laughs) And I do like that. It was a woman who was having this moment of, I don't give a fuck. You need to die. Because sometimes we get female characters who are supposed to be the badass, but then their emotions get in their way, which granted, it kind of happens in this as well, but not in the like, not in the typical way where they make women out to be like incapable of actually being badasses.
1: Well, no, she's a badass, but she goes so far over the edge that she's almost too much of a badass. Yeah. To the point where she loses her humanity and it has to be given back to her. By the death of someone else. Yeah. (sighs) Now, speaking of death, though, I don't like that Uncle Bob is the one that got the kill on the T-1000, but I guess it makes sense, because that's why he was there.
0: Yeah, that was his job. It was his whole mission. It was.
1: And the idea... that he couldn't self-terminate makes sense, but it was also so melodramatic.
0: <laughs> it really was. The, the It took so long for them to lower <laughs> him down, too. I just sat there laughing that entire scene. And then the little thumbs up at the end. I was like, no, stop, please stop. It was, like, they took this really, really sad scene because John was so upset. He wanted so much for Uncle Bob to live. Like, no, we'll find a way. You can't do this. And then they did that, and I was like, I was so sad for John, and now I can't stop laughing.
1: Well, I think that that was kind of almost cute in the way where it's, like, in the last moment of his processor, his job was to protect John Connor and John Connor was upset so he did the thing.
0: Yeah. It was cute. It was just Jesus. it just took so long. <laughs> I, it <laughs> was one of those things where I want somebody to make like a s like a a spoof of it or whatever of just that scene where they lore they're lowering him down and they're crying and they're all sad and then it just takes so long. John's like, Jesus, can he just die already? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> this is taking three hours. <laughs> now
1: I don't know if you noticed this, though, but I think it's a big glaring oversight in the film. Okay. The entire emphasis of the second half of this movie is that the arm from the Terminator in the first movie was recovered by Cyberdyne Systems and was used in order to advance robotics. Right. Right. In the big fight with the T-1000, Uncle Bob loses an arm in the machinery. And they never go back and get oh, it. They fuck. just leave it there. <laughs> and, uh, spoiler, they never bring it up in any of the other Terminator movies. So Ooh. what happened? Did the guys who run this factory just not understand that it was a thing and be like, oh, guess this is garbage now, and throw it in the dump? <laughs> Did the writers just forget that they left his arm there?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of
1: time between this movie and the next one. So maybe the writers were just like, oops,
0: I guess we should have
1: rewatched Terminator 2 before we wrote this movie, huh?
0: (laughs) Or maybe they were like, no one's going to go back and watch the 90s Terminator movie. Come on. It doesn't matter. Just go. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's not one of the best, most well-loved movies of all time or anything. <laughs> Nobody remembers that he lost the arm. <laughs> Supposedly, there was a deleted scene in which they go get the arm, throw it in too, but they felt like it stalled the storyline, kind of, it took too long, I guess. Well, but maybe they should have could have made... done that off screen. Or yeah. when he came back...
0: He should have
1: gotten like brought his own arm with him so that they could have thrown it in the fire with him. Or maybe they should have wouldn't got it in the like twenty-five <laughs> second long scene of him slowly descending. Yes.
0: That's what I was gonna say. It's like there was plenty of time while they were lowering him down for one of them to be like, Oh fuck, hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. I did not I mean, I didn't remember or notice or anything like that, but that is a really stupid oversight.
1: Yeah, and they never mention it again. It never comes up in the future. No other Terminator movie does anything with it.
0: Hmm. Well, maybe we should write to them. You hmm. guys screwed up.
1: Oh, I'm sure no one's ever noticed that before. <laughs>
0: um, I am going to go back to a couple of things really quickly from earlier on in the movie, just because I thought they were funny and interesting. Um, the fact that... um. Okay, first of all, two things. First of all, what is it with um, Uncle Bob, Arnold, whatever you want to call him, because I'm talking about in both of the movies? um, His thing with sunglasses, what is that about? Is that something that I, like, didn't catch from the first movie? Or is that just a weird random, like, he just really likes sunglasses thing?
1: Well, I believe in the first movie, he started using the sunglasses primarily to disguise the damage to his eye.
0: Yeah, And that made sense. And then in the second movie, he had a sunglasses. It's a
1: catchphrase for his face.
0: (laughs) I guess. He's like, well, just in case.
1: I think (sighs) it does help with camouflage because his eyes are so dead and no one can tell when you're wearing sunglasses that you have blank dead eyes. Your point. But I think it was not done for that. I think it was done to be the uh, the face
0: version of I'll Be Back. (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. Somehow that makes sense. That's weird that it does, but it does. But I love when he uh, comes out of the bar and he's got the like leather or whatever on and he comes out and "Back to the Bone is playing. I thought that was such a good use of that song. It just worked so well in that scene.
1: It did. And in general, they come up with some really funny and good ways for him to come across clothing.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's always like, it says like perfect match or whatever when he's looking for clothing. And it's like, no, it's not though. Nobody is the perfect match for you. Have you seen you and your muscles? (laughs) Nobody's the same size as you in this entire freaking universe.
1: I love that. It's never like, Oh, I'll just break into a clothing store. Yeah, It's not a reference he has in his mind. It's like, I'll just find a human wearing clothes that might fit me. <laughs> and in the first one, it made sense because he woke up in a field and it was like, okay, this is the nearest thing to me, this guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This bar was not the closest thing to
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he found it. He went straight to, he like, he went to it on purpose for some reason. <laughs> I also don't know why they haven't figured out how to travel back in time with freaking clothes on. Come on now, advanced robots. I guess well, I don't. think
1: they've only got the one machine. However, <laughs> certain of the Terminators, like I think the T-1000, tends to shift with the look of clothes, even if it is isn't actual fabric.
0: Right, yeah. Which is good enough. Yeah. It's it's a step closer. Maybe in the future Terminator movies, they'll get there. Probably not. We also just really want to see Arnold naked, hunched over like that, probably. I mean, I don't, but somebody probably does. Um, well, it's a
1: much more striking visual picture to have somebody true. be like slick and wet and panting and naked
0: yeah. than it
1: is to have somebody show up wearing a casual, fashionable jumpsuit.
0: <laughs> I could go for that. Um, yeah. Um, also, I, another thing that was confusing to me, and I don't know if it was meant to be like like this, by the way, it was when um, the T-1000 shows up and he, or no, it's not when he first shows up. I think they're already fighting or whatever. But when he sees this silver mannequin in the window, and he just kind of stares at it, and he makes this, like, confused face. I don't know if that was just the actor kind of fucking up on that, or if that was done on purpose. It feels like it was done on purpose, because he does stare at it directly, and they, like, zoomed into the mannequin, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, like, I thought it was really creepy, because it was like he was looking at it like, wait a minute, what the fuck are you?
1: I thought he was looking at it like, are you mocking me? <laughs>
0: maybe either way though that still shows a little of the emotion part of it because that if it was him just trying to figure out what this thing was then that's a robot reaction but if it was like I'm confused by you or are you mocking me then that's still emotions and that still goes back to what you were saying about how that's really creepy it
1: is and I think this robot in general is a little confused as far as Whether it has emotions, the actor has no emotions. He's a terrifying, terrifying person. (laughs) I'm sure you're a lovely person, Robert Patrick. (laughs) Yes,
0: I'm sure he's listening.
1: The powers and abilities are very strange because we're told nothing dead will go back, which is why every infiltration or Terminator unit sent back has to be covered in skin. Hmm. I don't know how skin can turn into liquid metal and then back to skin.
0: Oh, that's a good point. They probably can't, but don't overthink it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I believe it could look like skin, but mm-hmm. I don't see how it could turn into physical flesh Yeah, and still be living physical flesh. However... This is a very scary Terminator, and everything he did was super cool, so I don't give a flying fuck if it was (laughs) accurate.
0: Yeah, accuracy doesn't fucking matter. (laughs) I also, by the way, was really confused by the guy. He's a random guy, but um, when um, John is running away from T-1000, and then Uncle Bob shows up, and then... He, Uncle Bob tells John to get down, and he shoots at T1000. And there's that like I don't know janitor or some employee that's standing there against the wall, and like shots have been fired already once, and he's still standing there when T1000 shoots back. And I had this moment because he gets shot, he dies, and I'm like. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? Why didn't you fall to the floor? Or like, something. Something. Yeah, get out of the gunfire. <laughs> like get away from it. Don't don't just stand there. And I know that like when you like when you're in a situation like that, you panic and who knows how you're going to react, but I feel like the one thing we can rely on from our bodies is that if you hear a gunshot or something that sounds like it, you cover your head at the very least, right? You like hunch over you protect yourself. <laughs> like, he had no reaction at all. He just stood there until he got shot, basically.
1: Well, that's what you think. You scream at a horror movie, why are you running outside in your underwear? It's like, dude, because <laughs> she's afraid. She has no idea what's going on. She's shut down completely. It's possible that this guy was just, like, shitting himself and frozen in place. Yeah. That's true.
0: But, damn it. Uncle Bob said, get down. You should have to. Even, even if he wasn't talking to you because he didn't give a shit if you lived or not. <laughs> um, we didn't talk about my favorite character, even though I think it's pretty obvious who that is. As much as I do think Sarah was such a badass in this movie and I wanted her to be my favorite character, she ended up not being, sadly. But see, I do like female characters sometimes. Um, <laughs> But John was by far my favorite character in this I loved him I love the kid who plays him he does such a good job with it but also just his little attitude his little shitty ways but also he's still a kid who wants to be loved and taken care of it was so heartwarming and also just he was a badass so he he won the whole movie for me yeah
1: and a lot of times child actors can be a little iffy He really did carry the role, and he brought something for future John Connors to work off of.
0: Yeah, like, I already can, like, can visualize what older John Connor is going going to be like based on this.
1: Oh, I think you can't.
0: Uh, It'll be interesting to see, because I'm expecting something specific now because of this kid, and we'll see what happens.
1: Or more accurately, which future John Connor?
0: No, no, nope, we're not doing that again. We are not doing that again. My brain cannot handle it. <laughs> uh, John also did have some of my favorite lines, but especially my absolute favorite line of this movie. And I don't know why this got me so much, but when they're in the car and I think he tells... Um, Uncle Bob to drive faster but they're in this like shitty car that can't go any faster and he says that they're going as fast as the vehicle will go and he says I could get out and run faster than this and I'm like yes I love you (laughs) it was so good I don't know why but also (laughs) Hasta La Vista for some reason it used to be that it reminded me of Arnold and this movie and now when I watched Arnold say it in this movie I thought of Encino Man
1: I've never seen
0: Encino Man. Oh, you will someday, I promise you. <laughs> Yay. Something to look forward to, though. See, they refer back to Terminator 2. <laughs>
1: oh, maybe that'll be my favorite line in Encino
0: Man. Ooh. And then we'll come back and talk about time travel and how it confuses me some more.
1: <laughs> um, okay. Final ratings? Yes, final ratings. Um, what did you give it? I gave it a 98. Ooh, degree? I, or- I do cherish it. <laughs> like, I can't bring myself to give it a perfect score because of Sarah's vagina monologue. But <laughs> it's such a good movie. Schwarzenegger and Patrick do such a great job being compelling characters while also being emotionless machines. Yep. There is a great story arc for everyone in this movie, including the robots. Yeah. Uh, I love that Sarah and John had separate stories that came together in such a really good way.
0: Yeah. I gave it 95 and I was surprised by how much I loved this movie because I didn't remember that I liked it this much growing up but then when I watched it back like I said I just remembered so many things in so much detail and it was part nostalgia for that but also just I mean I'm sure there was so much of this movie that I definitely did not understand as a kid because there's so much of this movie that I still don't understand as as an adult um but there was so much good, the, the creepiness of it, especially now that you've creeped it out even more for me. Thanks for that, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just, it's such a good movie and it's so watchable. I watched it a couple of months before I had to watch it for this. Um, and so there wasn't that long in between, although I didn't watch the whole thing. It was already, be- it had already begun when I was watching it. But anyway, point is I watched it not too long ago and it was still just as watchable this time and i can see myself watching it again in a in a few months like wanting to because it was just so good
1: it was really good
0: yeah well now i'm very curious to see the other terminator movies that i've i'm pretty sure never seen before
1: well i've seen all of them, and I look forward to talking about them with you. If you come back next week, it'll be a regularly scheduled episode, but the week after that, it'll be our next bonus episode, Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, from 2003, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Nick Stahl.
0: And I look very forward to that. In the meantime, guys, check us out on social media. We are on Instagram, at Millennials at the Movies. We're on Twitter, Millennials ATM. And my personal Twitter is Amy, that's A M I underscore movies.
1: And mine is Cantaloupe underscore eyes, like the fruit.
0: Free- we'll see you guys next episode.
1: Bye.